Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Good morning, everyone. I'm happy to welcome Chigan Roshi to give the Sunday talk today and lead the discussion. Wherever you are, whatever your name may be, whatever your identity might be at this time, whatever time zone, whatever calendar day, hour, or whatever, welcome. Yet another attempt is being made to use words to talk about something that cannot be talked about. But like the Buddha, who after his awakening was silent for some time and came to this innate human need to share, to not confine his awakening to himself by the fact of having seen suffering, how it works, what it is, and what the chances are to develop a relationship to this dynamic that is more wholesome than opposition or just subjecting oneself to an objective reality. Of that what affirms us or that what negates the self. So only aspects can be talked about. And even that, let's always remember, these are glimpses, these are similes, these are metaphors, not the thing itself. Like the Diamond Sutra says, a mountain is not a mountain, we just call it a mountain. So in that spirit today, I would like to explore a few thoughts about freedom. Freedom always is a big topic in spiritual practice because becoming free, liberation, is often one of the motivations that we have to undertake such an endeavor as spiritual practice or any kind of devotional practice. The deep prayer for X, Y, Z, if fully, fully engaged in, where the self disappears is no different from dedication in a practice that looks like what we do. Liberation begs the question, what are we trying to liberate ourselves from? And the other terms or 
items that come to mind in this context, of course, is I. I want to be liberated. And I have a belief that I can be liberated in this or that way. I have an opinion that this person is not liberated because X, Y, Z. All of that. Liberation is a big question. Also, it comes to mind, well, what is it that's liberated? What is this landscape in which we find that quest for liberation? What is the rub between this individuality of this phenomenon that we call ourselves and the realization or the lack thereof that there is interconnectedness? Everything connected, but still individual consciousness. And if we look at the current times in which we find ourselves, it's easy to see that we in society have gone to a phase where some kind of tribalism, where people start to stick together, not so much anymore because they're good friends good friends of their individual knowledge of each other or their individual esteem, love, respect, and common humanity, but tribes that hold together because we commonly oppose this or that. Also a very interesting phenomenon here. Friendships based more on ideology rather than this intimate connection between living human beings. And what comes to the foreground here is, well, which kind of world does this come from? Is it the world of concepts? The world of what? The world of essence, of substance, of opinion, of ideology? Or is it the world of suchness, where real human beings can be found, where suffering, no matter by even those who we would call opponents, is of the same genuine nature and experience as our own? Can you find any logic in this? Not at all. No logic whatsoever. And when we come to a point where logic fails us, it becomes a constant process of reconciliation. Reconciliation, how do we reconcile this interconnectedness and yet the reality of identity? It's deeply tied one to the other. It is tied to each other as we are. And if you might imagine Indra's net as a fabric, the more fixated individuality there is, the larger the snag, the larger the pull in this fabric and the further away 
the shiny diamond that reflects everything self on each of those many facets. I'm sure you have had pulls and snags in your most wonderful piece of woven garment, a blanket, fabric, whatever it is. So we are aware what snags are. But Indra's net still means we are connected, deeply so. And the question that comes out for me is, why is this so difficult? Why is this so hard? Here we are in the year 2021. And it reminds me when I first was invited to the Cambridge Buddhist Association to the Vesak Fest in the year 2004. The Vesak is this pan-Buddhist uh, celebration where many traditions celebrate the Buddha's birth, the Buddha's awakening, and the Buddha's passing in one day. And amongst five or six uh, Theravada teachers, I was invited to speak and in the timetable, everyone spoke before me and for the whole thing an hour was allocated. Of course, when it came to the time, there, were, there was only one minute left, which is just perfect. And those venerables who spoke from various Vietnamese, from various Burmese and uh, uh, also Sri Lanka traditions, spoke wonderfully and the listeners were mostly from those ethnic, ethnic backgrounds. They came to listen. And I asked the same question there that I'm asking now. We have heard the wonderful wisdom of the Buddha that has been around for 2,500 years. It's been millennia. How come it hasn't worked yet? Is there still suffering? Yes, and people were stunned. What should I say? Yes, there is still suffering. Why is that so? Why is it so hard? If I transfer this question into the world we live in, I could also ask, why is it so hard to have a world where we know there are enough resources to feed everyone, where there is enough money for everyone to live a decent life. Why is it that in this plentiful place, we have these steep differences? As somebody in the Rinzai Zen tradition, of course, I have to pull out a koan for this. And this is case number 61 of the Kido Roku, the record of uh, Kido Osho. Uh, Kido Chigu, you might remember, is the last person in the Chinese lineage of ancestral teachers he transmitted the Dharma to Nampo Jomyo, 
who is the first uh, Japanese name on our uh, Tedai Denpo chant. So here, this is case 61 of the Kidoroku. There are two different translations, and I will read you the first one, which is the older one. And it goes like this. Master Ungan asked Master Hyakujo, why are you trying so hard? Hyakujo said, it is for someone. Ungan replied, why don't you just let him take care of this himself? Hyakujo said, they cannot make a living. Master Kido's commentary, since olden times, it has been a noble existence. And Hakuin said, it is like Fudaishi, who was a famous layman. Now to contrast that or to uh, give you the other translation of case 61. Ungan asked Hyakujo, every day, who do you toil for? Hyakujo said, one person who requires it. Ungan said, why not tell them to do it themselves? Hyakujo answered, they have no home. Kido Chigu's alternate saying here, always honorable. So this Ungan is one of the great Soto masters, but earlier in his studies, he spent a lot of time with Hyakujo Eikai. And so while he spent the time there, with the grandfather of Rinzai Gigen, he did not come to this awakening that Hyakujo talks about here as the one person. Now, of course, we will encounter the one person of no rank with the grandson, grandson of this Master Hyakujo. But famously, it is that Ungan at this time did not have any insight or illumination of that one person yet. Yet, the question is the same question that came out of this human being, because it's his human nature. Why is this so freaking hard? Why can't that be any easier. And here what reveals is the wonderful teaching that breaks everything, of course. These are just words, but we speak of the one person. And who is asking? 
the half person. There's another koan in this collection, case 41, where there's the talk about the half person and the one person. Now, of course, the half person is the consciousness we live in once we are cut in half by yes and no, by self and other, by good and evil, by obstacle, hindrance, by speedy means of helping us, all of that is within that realm of the half person. The dualistic mind is born in consciousness. So this one person, again, we have to be very careful, is not the one person that appears when the half person disappears. And that is a little hard to grasp. How, just remind yourselves when you approach this topic, if there is a half person, it must be the half of the one and the one is always there. Yet we think, oh, I have lost the other half. And that is this human conundrum we find ourselves in all the time. By affirming this, already all what is the other is left out. By opposing that, the same thing happens. This is the human conundrum of living in this two-dimensional world. The one person that is being talked about here is nowhere near individualism or any idea of that. In fact, and if you will, you can call me un-American. The idea of personal independence from the point of society is pernicious. It is an a really an enclave encapsulated in itself. I am independent. And that decries the very fact and the lack of the awareness of this interconnection. And we have to be really careful. It doesn't come just in the form of, let's say, a biker dressed in a studded leather jacket with a bandana going to some motorcycle rally unvaccinated. I choose for myself not to be vaccinated. It comes in the same form if somebody claims I am a Buddhist and encapsulates themselves and creates the other as being not of the same cloth of Indra. 
So we have to be careful. There are many refined delusions of independence. So what questions appear in this context? Often in our minds that are very keen on explanation, on understanding, on grasping, the question that comes out is what, 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 what? And any question that is about what is a question of trying to distill the essence, to come to the essence of something. Essence, you know? The essence of vinegar is a concentrate. The essence, even Faust, Dr. Faust speaks about the, the kern, the, what is the kernel in the middle of all of this. But that is, of course, reductionist. The hard thing to really, really appreciate and come to understand is the essence of all of it is it. It is not limited. It is not reduced. But the question of what, what, what sometimes reminds me of a camera that takes a still picture. What? Yet in our practice, we really learn and in our lives, we really experience that this is not a life of snapshots of individual pictures that are stitched together. And as much as we would like such a photo album of life where we can just turn the, the page to the next wonderful snapshot, these pictures answer the question of what? So what would I do now? Well, let's change our question. What and who seek for answers of a static nature, of a declarative kind of place, like identity does? I want to be sure Ah, this is, this looks good, this picture. This is my identity, but it is static. And the mistaken approach here is the approach of what of the essential. Let's change to the approach of asking how, how rather than what. And that is not to be and it can't be answered with snapshots. How? Just imagine one of those wonderful skateboarders at the Olympics doing one of those in the air flips where the skateboard spins around and somehow miraculously they land on it. Take a picture of that. You have a skateboard here, you have a person there. No answer to how. In order to know how, we have to do de miro, 
You have to see it with your own eyes. You have to see it with your own heart. And that's why we do Zazen. So, finding out through this firsthand experience, we come into the world of function rather than essence. Where does liberation lie within that, we might ask? Does it mean if we go to the how from the what that there are no limits? How functions conditionally? This is the activity of karma, the activity of dharma, of conditional unfolding. And each of those strands in Indra's net has a different texture. Mountains, conditions don't change very quickly from the human point of reference, from our human mind. Maybe from a cosmic point of reference, they change at a completely different scale of time. And so it's also not surprising that when we wake up in the morning, oh, this is pretty much the same face as yesterday. But the question remains not what, who, or the answers there too, but how, how, how. We would like to see stability. Stability is helpful as a tool, as upaya. It's good to know where the bus stop is if you have to take the bus to town. But at the same time, you would, not, you would not look at that as, or invest the same kind of emotional cloud behind this as an identity. Really, there is no difference. Identity also is a bus stop where we take the bus to be in communion with community, the world in all its 10,000 millions, billions of flavors and conditions. Remember, now in this koan, when Yakujo says, this person has no home, homeless. This is exactly what Joshu said when he awakened at age 18. Not only that, he said, now I am homeless and completely destitute. It is the same work that we hear Yakujo talk about. There is this one who I work for who cannot work for themselves. And that one is not the one in the end, that one is the half. We all halves together can make up a pretty nice whole.
So if we apply these questions of what, when I asked, what is home? This, 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 that is a what answer. But how is home? Welcome to the homeless home. And let's ask ourselves the question. Well, who is it that you work for who cannot work for themselves? A final word. Yes, it can be truly infuriating to see people act out of some limited set of understanding that is the reality for them. It can be infuriating, but we cannot let ourselves fall in a place that because we see that we give any credence that that is of superior nature. That is not real understanding. Real understanding is that one, that one great heart, that with in the limitation of those who experience limited conditions, with them works on the way to be found, to create conditions, to liberate them from this limitation. So let's do that all together and be homeless and destitute. Thank you so much, Chigong Roshi and everyone who spoke today and who listened so deeply today. And now let us offer ourselves to all beings with great vows. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org slash donate. Thank you for listening.